This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Elman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA's Jill Metzger speaks with Al Iannuzzi, Vice President of Sustainability at the Estee Lauder Companies. Al Iannuzzi is Vice President of Sustainability at the Estee Lauder Companies, where he directs enterprise-wide sustainability efforts and establishes and executes on the company's sustainability strategy, goals, and objectives. In addition to his work at Estee Lauder Companies, he is also an adjunct professor and author of three books. We're thrilled to have him as a guest on the Impact Report. Al, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Jill. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm always really fascinated by uh, how people got into the sustainability world. So to kick off this interview today, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to your current role with Estee Lauder? Yeah, it's um, kind of a little funny story, I think. So uh, um, when I was in... uh, university, I, I was kind of not sure what to major in. And uh, with some guidance from uh, counselors, um, it was, uh, it came up that, oh, you should go into nursing. And back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of men going into nursing. And then I, after thinking about it, like, it kind of came to, to my mind, like, oh, I really love the outdoors. So I should go into uh, environmental protection. Uh, so the university I was attending at that time didn't have that major, so I had to transfer to, to um, the school I went to was Stockton State University in, in uh, South Jersey, and uh, I still remember the conversation I had with the with the counselor there the first time I met when we were talking about majors, and he's like, "Well, what what do you want to do? Like, you know, what do you want?" pursued his degree for. I said, well, I'd like to become a forest ranger and I'd like to live out in the forest. And, you know, and uh, I said, I probably won't make much money, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll be protecting the environment. <laughs> and he's like, well, there aren't many jobs in forestry. And even if you get a master's degree in forestry, there's no guarantee. Why don't you go into pollution control? And I said, okay. And that's how my journey started, believe it or not. And then from there, I got recruited uh, after I graduated uh, to work at the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection, spent four years there, and then got a job at Johnson & Johnson, and then, you know, at Estee Lauder. Uh, but that's how the journey happened. Uh, so it was kind of kind of a funny story. I wanted to be a forest ranger. A lot of people kind of get a kick out of that, you know, seeing that I work for a major corporation now. That's great. That's great. So having some some roots in uh, really ultimately what, you know, sustainability or, or pieces of sustainability can be about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what does your current day-to-day look like? Yeah, well, like uh, probably everybody in the, in corporate America, a lot of meetings, especially in this Zoom environment, it's like a lot of back-to-back meetings. But uh, primarily, uh, we are driving sustainability throughout the DNA of the corporation. So all these meetings are around uh, primarily with work streams or presenting to management on our progress and uh, getting assistance to further our sustainability initiatives. Uh, But we we work across various um, 
aspects of the company and our, our top management is super interested and committed into sustainability. And the idea of this getting sustainability into the DNA of the corporation is really um, something that we're trying to operationalize. And we do this through work streams and working with R&D, working with supply chain, you know, we're working with our e-commerce and our, our uh, real estate people and just across the whole gamut of, of the corporation. Great. So I think it's it's safe to say that sustainability is pretty embedded uh, throughout throughout the organization. And, and for those listening, Estee Lauder is uh, a leading global prestige beauty company with a portfolio of over 25 brands, uh, generating over $16 billion in sales with over 60,000 employees worldwide. Um, and how does such a large global organization like Estee Lauder navigate a fast-paced, ever-evolving sustainability landscape. What is how how do you all approach that? Yeah, it's one of the reasons I really love sustainability. It's like it's ever-changing, right? And matter of fact, one of the things I like to say whenever I'm doing talks uh, around this is that my belief is that there's no such thing as a sustainable company. Sustainability is a journey, right? So every company can improve. And, you know, issues we're managing today weren't even thought of like five years ago. You know, it's like, uh, it never, never amazes me. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm always amazed on how many new issues are coming at us all the time. So uh, it is extremely fast paced to your point. And uh, we, um, you have to set up processes to manage these things. So we developed a emerging sustainability trends process where we monitor what's going on out in the um, um, various aspects of our stakeholders. We look at what our consumers are saying. We look at what investors are saying. We monitor what are, what's interesting, interested to our employees. Uh, we look at what uh, NGOs are saying and we kind of like monitor that, find out what the trends are, try to stay ahead of the trends and we kind of plot them to see what are the, the biggest potential business impacts on us and which ones have the most speed, you know, and then we try to put processes or guidelines to try to address these and sometimes even goals or white papers to address these issues. But it's, it is a daunting task. I mean, it's sustainability is so broad. There's so many issues and there's always more issues to, to worry about and to manage. Yeah. I mean, even as a, a student, um, it is daunting, but I think you know there, there's something exciting in uh, the sort of challenge that accompanies that. Are there any challenges that you've experienced either from a, an Estee Lauder perspective or just for the beauty space, you know, consumer goods space overall? Yeah, well, it's everything's challenging, but probably some of the bigger challenges is like if you look at the biggest issue right now that we're from an environmental perspective and everybody's you know in the same boat uh it has to do with um climate change and the whole uh greenhouse gas emissions and how to reduce greenhouse gas emissions how to reduce them quickly uh, if you think about companies like ours any manufacturing company a majority of your emissions are coming from your supply chain and the raw materials you're purchasing from the uh, goods and services that you're you're purchasing, um, when we look at our our emissions, that's that's the biggest chunk of our emissions. So, uh, how do you how do you crack that nut? And it's it's not easy. And it's and there's new uh, accounting rules coming out, like as we speak right now. We're trying to understand them and how are we how are we going to get our suppliers to do the things that we've done? You know, so we've we've achieved net zero for our own emissions and 100% renewable electricity for our own emissions. 
but we have to then get our suppliers to do the same thing. And uh, first thing we have to do is get them to start reporting their emissions. Um, and we are encouraging our biggest suppliers to do that. But then the next step is to get them to do the same things we've done is to start reducing their emissions and committing to like 100% renewable electricity and even trying to coach them and, and, and train them even on how to do that and to learn you know, from us and what we've done. That's a real, you know, really difficult um, task and how are we gonna move quickly to try to address our commitments like our science-based targets that, that we've uh, got uh, approved and developed. Great. Um, can you talk us through, um, you mentioned, you know, net zero, 100% renewable electricity. Um, can you talk through some of the other sustainability commitments you all have? Yeah, so um, we, when I, when I was uh, brought on board, another funny story too, uh, was in um, 2018, October 2018, and I had a meeting with our CEO and uh, he's like, I'd like to have, um, you know, public facing sustainability goals. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, in about a year, we we'll probably could have them. We'll um, you know, have to do a materiality assessment, figure out what's most important to us and we'll have to vet them you know, and get it buy-in and cost estimates, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, no, I'd like to have them in March for our investor day. And I'm like, okay, Fabrizio, we'll, we'll do it. Because <laughs> when the CEO asks for it, you know, uh, everybody, uh, somehow magically gets in line and, it, and things could go so fast. And we, we, we really did. We set up um, 11 uh, public facing sustainability goals. There were a couple of sustainability goals we had before I arrived, but we developed more and we've even added on more just recently too. But um, one of the biggest ones in the area of climate, right? So we had goals for net zero and renewable electricity, which we actually met in um, uh, last year in 2020, November of 2020, ahead of schedule. Then we set a goal to set a science-based target. We did that uh, for our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and we also got it approved by the science-based target uh, initiative, which is a third party group of NGOs who are approve of science-based targets. We set goals on what we feel were the most important areas to, to our company. So some of them, uh, one of them, another very daunting area is our supply chain. So responsible sourcing of ingredients. So if you think about all the ingredients that we purchase and companies like ours who make fragrances and uh, cosmetics, uh, we use agricultural raw materials uh, or mineral raw materials. And then there's, some of them have some issues with them like deforestation or um, forced labor or child labor in the supply chain. How do you put programs in place to address those? So we set objectives to uh, identify uh, the, um, the, these uh, sourcing uh, areas to, to uh, find out which ones they are and to set uh, remediation plans, I guess you can call them, for social and environmental issues for, for these um, sensitive supply chains. We also set goals to be more transparent. So we set goals for each of our brands to put their list of key ingredients and what the purpose of those ingredients are on their websites. And we you know, have, I think at least 11 brands who have already done that. So we have a goal by 2025 that all the brands will do that. And we're finding that it actually is really good for the consumers really like that. And they actually stay on our websites longer and we got greater consumer engagement because of that transparency effort. We set social impact goals that we will uh, through our uh, social impact programs like our breast cancer campaign or our Mac Viva Glam Fund uh, that will touch 
at least 10 million people through those programs. And, and there we also achieved those goals ahead of time. We found out that we, we actually touched 20 million people through those programs. So um, that, that was really awesome. Other areas um, uh, have to do with the safety of our employees. So we have really great safety programs and we have safety incidents uh, rates that we, uh, injury rates that we m measure and monitor. We set even more stringent standards there because we don't want anybody coming into any of our buildings to leave less healthy than when they entered. So that's why it's important to do those type of things uh, to, to make um, sustainability uh, training available to all our employees. So we, we started this uh, initiative called Beauty Inspired Values Driven, and we set a platform up for that where our employees can go and they can learn more about sustainability, um, what we're doing, and you know what sustainability is all about. Those are some of the goals. That's not all of them, but oh, another big one I should just mention too. It's like a packaging because that's really super important to our consumers. You know, it's like, hey, what do I do with this thing after I'm done using it? You know, can I recycle it or whatever? So we set up this this goal to make all of our packaging more sustainable. It's something we call the five R's, making the packaging more recyclable, recoverable, refillable, reusable, those type of things. Uh, so we've set goals with that and we, we measure those, the, our improvements in those areas and we try to design new packaging that meet those goals. So that's kind of like a, a real quick <laughs> broad brush of the type of goals that, that we've set for ourselves. That's great. No, a, a lot of different areas. Um, you mentioned consumers, Alan. I, I was curious to uh, dig in a little deeper there. Are you finding that more and more consumers over time uh, are interested in understanding the sustainability aspects or elements, um, not just of, of Estee Lauder as a brand and, and you know what you all stand for, but of specific products that they're purchasing? Yeah, we're seeing a, like a really strong desire from our consumers to want to purchase products from a company that they feel good about, right? So um, they want to purchase products from a good corporate citizen. Um, they want to uh, make sure it's real, that there's no greenwashing going on when you know we are talking about what, what you're doing. And we're very careful on what we say publicly and how we engage our consumers. But especially the millennial consumers we're finding are super interested in sustainability. And um, but it's across the board, you know, it doesn't matter you know, the, the segment of the consumer, they're, they're all super interested. And, you know, we sell prestige beauty products, so they're very high end and, um, you know, they command a, a, good, a good price. And so they're expecting us to do these things and they're expecting us to be good corporate actors and, you know, thinking about the type of things that I just, you know, mentioned that those type of goals that we've set for ourselves. Impact Report is brought to you by the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability, offering both hybrid and in-person degrees in environmental policy, climate science and policy, environmental education, and sustainable business. Bard offers scholarships for all applicants who qualify and enrolls new cohorts each fall. Learn how to apply at gps.bard.edu. So you have over 30 years of experience in this field, which is tremendous. And I'm curious to hear how, in your view, sustainability as 
a discipline or you know whatever you want to call it has has changed over the course of your career. I'm sure you've seen uh, various various stages of this uh, this thing we call sustainability take shape. Yeah, it's quite amazing actually from when I first started. Uh, so I also like to tell this story too. Like when when I first started in the field, right? Um, my my education was environmental science, right? And um, primarily what we worked on was in minimizing the impacts at the manufacturing facility and the R&D facilities, right? The reducing waste, reducing water. And, you know, that's what, that's what that was our world, right? And we thought, oh, this is really awesome. You know, we're, you know, how is hazardous waste being disposed of, you know? And it was, uh, it, it started like that. Then um, the word sustainability started, it, it started cropping up. And I remember having this discussion with one of my bosses um, back, I can't even remember how many years, maybe it's like, 25 years ago and we're like don't say sustainability to the management because when you talk to them it's like their eyes gloss over and they have no idea what you're doing talk about like uh, corporate citizenship or something like that and and today now everybody talks about sustainability and there's all, all of these you're rated on it there's these esg ratings and rankings like the dow jones sustainability index for example and msci there's all these different ratings that are out there sustainalytics and and uh, everybody knows about it i mean our CEO, he knows about it. He, he's, he is interested in, in this stuff. And it's really quite amazing to, to, to think about like um, how much it's connected to the business now. And it wasn't like when you were in, in the early days, you were kind of like considered more of like a risk management function, you know, like uh, how, you know, if you didn't manage this well, how, it's going to hurt the company. But it's now also, it can hurt the company if you don't manage it well. But it also could really benefit the company too. Like we were just talking about consumers, and if you are really doing some uh, great things, and you could prove to the consumer that you're, you know, making improvements and you're becoming more sustainable, it, it resonates with them, and it could increase your sales, and it, can, it definitely increases the reputation of the corporation. So it's really quite amazing place where uh, this journey of sustainability and where we are now, and how important it really is for people who lead sustainability in a company, and and um, you know, but my boss reports up into the CEO and the chief executive. That, I mean, that's that's how important it is to, to the corporation. That's great. Um, I want to shift gears just a little bit to talk about um, some of your, your books that you've written. So uh, mm -hmm. you wrote a book titled uh, Greener Products, the Making and Marketing of Sustainable Brands a few years back in 2018. What prompted you to write this book? Yeah, Jill, it's uh, interesting. Um, also, sometimes I think I was crazy to do it because it was really hard, you know, working full time and then trying to carve out time to do that. It was really hard. But, uh, well, I got my PhD while I was at Johnson & Johnson and, um, you know, you have to do a dissertation. So I got the dissertation. I, I had to do it. I had to put a lot of effort in there. I said, hey, why don't I try to get this thing published? And that was on voluntary commitments. It was all about research on voluntary commitments of companies and how to, um, improve uh, the environment through voluntary commitment. So I got that published. And when I was, um, I was going to be speaking at a, a conference um, at Cornell University, Net, Net Impact Conference it was, and they said, hey, well, how would you like to have your, your, your book here? You know, and then I, I reached out to the publisher and they said, well, how would you like to update that book? And I said, you know what, I, I got a, a better idea for what I think is a more appropriate book here. It's really what I've been doing at work. And it was really marrying uh, the 
the uh, design for the environment concepts with green marketing. Both of those things are so important. Now, at that time, and still today, I would say there are books on design for the environment or industrial ecology, you know, that type of concept. And there were books on green marketing, but there weren't books that combined the two. And I believe that they're both super important. Like, you know, what good is it if you made a product greener and nobody knows about it? So the communication aspect is just as important. So I pitched the idea of um, this greener products book and also, you know, how to, how to do it really. It's all on case study analysis. I have like uh, roughly over 40 different case studies of what I consider leading companies on how they actually make products more sustainable and how they appropriately market the greener aspects of their products to their customer base. So it, it, it marries both the making and marketing together. And I kind of have the book set up in three, three segments. One is the business case for why we need to do product development differently and why we have to pay attention to the issues and why greener products are important. And, and then I go into a bunch of case study analysis on how to make your product more sustainable. And then the last part of the book is how to appropriately market or communicate the greener attributes of your products. So it was kind of something that was inside of me. And I really, you know, yeah, I, I teach too. And I kind of, I love doing that. It's like, and I like to share really the best thing. The reason I really wrote the book is that to give guidance to those who maybe, you know, haven't figured it out yet and to could see what other companies are doing. And I love that my book is being used by universities to teach sustainability. That's one of the things I, I really enjoy to see that actually coming to action and people using it to really make the world a better place to make products more sustainable. Terrific. Um, so one kind of sort of final wrap up question, if you will, um, you know, earlier we were talking about commitments um, and we're still in the aftermath of COP26, where we saw a lot of that, a lot of you know, ambitions um, from corporates, from, from countries, from governments. Uh, and we're just a few weeks away from 2022 uh, at this time. What do you hope to see in the new year, not just for Estee Lauder, but for sustainability, uh, the sustainability arena overall? Yeah, I hope to see, um more um, traction. So a lot of um, companies have been criticized for setting like long-term goals, like 2050 goals and not showing actions, you know, short-term action plans. So I think I'd like to see, and I know we want to do this too, is like transition plans to a low, low uh, carbon economy. And what are the the uh, levers you're going to pull? What are the projects you're going to execute on? And more reporting of actually accomplishments and initiatives. Like, for example, we uh, last year, we uh, got a virtual power purchase agreement going on. So we enabled 22 megawatt wind farm to be built in Oklahoma, which provides enough electricity to cover our whole North America footprint. So all of our electricity basically in, that we use in our, in our home base, we're based out of New York City, right? And we have big manufacturing operations in Long Island and other places in, uh, in the United States is covered by this, um, the, the renewable electricity that's going into the grid. So more of those type of projects, not only for ourselves, but also for like-minded co companies or actually all companies, I like to see it, and our, our suppliers and those type of things. So more of these tangible, real projects I think that's what where we need to go, and I and I think that's where we're all heading. So I'd like to see a lot more of that, and just more stronger commitment on on sustainability in general, and and more like fact based 
science-based uh, improvements that you can speak to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and before we wrap up, uh, how can listeners follow your work and learn more about what Estee Lauder is doing in terms of sustainability? Yeah, so uh, probably the best way to find out what we're doing is we um, recently, well, in November, actually put out our new uh, social impact and sustainability report. So you can go to the Estee Lauder website. You can download that. It's pretty thick, I have to uh, warn you, but it covers like all aspects of what we're doing. Uh, so you can see that. And we have some, you know, interactive, um, like some short videos you can watch and what we've done on our website. Uh, you can learn more just by, you know, poking around our website and looking at what we're doing from a, su a sustainability uh, standpoint. You could uh, follow us, you know, on through the various social media uh, outlets. You can follow me on LinkedIn too. I, I always publish <laughs> things that we're doing as a company and uh, some of the uh, recognition that we get, third-party recognition we, we put out there. Uh, so um, there's a lot of uh, good things that, that you could find just from you know, following us on our website and, and also like reaching out through LinkedIn and others, other formats. Great. Yeah, I, I can attest uh, to the fact that the, the report is, is very robust, very thorough, very comprehensive, a great way to learn about any organization. Uh, well, Al, thank you so much. It's been really great speaking with you and learning more about Estee Lauder, and we appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Jill. It's my pleasure. We appreciate our loyal Impact Report listeners and hope you can help us spread the word about the series and the important sustainability work of our guests. Please rate and review the Impact Report wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you were inspired by this conversation, share a screenshot on Instagram and tag Impact Report Podcast. Learn more about the topics discussed in today's episode by visiting elccompanies.com slash en slash our dash commitments slash sustainability. And be sure to head to greenbiz.com or impactentrepreneur.com to read a recap of our conversation. Interested in learning how you can launch a high-impact, purpose-driven career in sustainability? Check out the resources page from the Bard Graduate Programs in Sustainability for access to free resources to jumpstart your career. Hear from leaders in the fields of climate change, consulting, impact finance, circular economy, and more about how they launch their careers and the tips they have for you to join their industries. Visit gps.bard.edu resources today.